This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hello, and welcome to episode 74 of Kindled. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The sponsor of today's episode is Prep Dish. And today I'm chatting with Melinda Fuller. Melinda wrote a book called Obedience Over Hustle, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. The world promises recognition and promotion if we just hustle harder. But what has that mantra actually done for us? If our relationships are being sacrificed on the altar of our passions, our businesses, and our ministries... There has to be a healthier way. If survival and striving are words used to describe the pace of our lives, then we need to find another way. And this book and this message that Melinda has is really just a radical challenge for anyone who has ever felt that there was really no option but to hustle and grind and work your fingers to the bone. I don't know about you, but I've been there lots of times. So this is a pretty familiar challenge for me, and I was really excited to chat with Melinda. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, before we get into the episode, I have to share with you one more thing that is really exciting for me personally and that I'm very proud to be able to bring to you, the Kindled audience, and that is my course, Launch What You Love, as a 100% self-study program. Launch What You Love teaches you how to set up, launch, and strategically grow your business so that you can work less and live more. Why do I say that? Um, Well, my goal is not to work as much as possible, but rather to work as little as possible and make as much money as possible so I can spend more time with my family. After nine years as an entrepreneur and making my fair share of mistakes, I've created a framework based on what has worked for me, and I teach all of it to you right inside my course. Why should you listen to me? Well, last year I sold a business for a five-figure exit, and the other I operate today. In that business, I generate multiple four figures every single month consistently while working during naps, early mornings, and evenings. Yes, that's a full-time salary on part-time hours. And it is absolutely possible for you too. If you are a female entrepreneur who is finally ready to give her idea a shot, or maybe a first-time entrepreneur looking for guidance of how to do this efficiently and quickly, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom who's ready to do something for herself and use your skills and passions that you know you have to make some money, or you're a working woman ready to create a work-from-anywhere business. Whatever the case may be, Launch What You Love is here to help. I have poured my heart and soul into this program, and it's what I use every day to continue to grow my own business, so I'm certain that it can help you too. Learn more at hayleywilliams.co slash launch. Here's my conversation with Melinda Fuller. I would love for you to introduce yourself to listeners and kind of tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. Well, my name is Melinda Fuller and my family currently lives in Northern California. My husband and I, his name is Alex. We've been married for 14 years next week, actually. And I'm actually, I'm Canadian and I've lived in the United States for almost my entire adult life. My husband and I met in Texas 17 years ago as interns at a ministry and did the long distance dating thing for a year and then ended up getting married. And we got married in Canada with my family. And then we had a legal ceremony in Las Vegas, complete with an Elvis. No way. And yes, Elvis walked me down the aisle and (laughs) my marriage certificate is out of the state of Nevada. And we have moved around a bit. We went back to Texas for several years and worked for a ministry there. And we've traveled all around the United States doing conferences and events for young adults and teenagers and women and all sorts Mm -hmm. of things. And then we were in Oregon for a while. That's where our, both of our daughters are born. I have a nine-year-old, Lydia, who is 
we call her the firecracker because she's a redhead and those redheaded genes go very, very deep. She is our feeler and she loves theater and I'm sure she will end up writing a book one day. She loves writing classes. Um, and my youngest, she's seven and a half Maddie. She wants to be a professional rock climber when she grows up. And she also wants to own a pet unicorn. So she embodies her middle name, Joy, Mm -hmm. very, very well. She's our surprise baby. And after Oregon, we were in Southern California in Orange County, about 20 minutes from Laguna Beach for several years. My husband worked for a large church down there. And then we've been in Northern California for just over two years. Okay. Yeah. And so... Our family is really tight. We call ourselves the wolf pack. We actually howl together at night when we put the kids to bed. Yep. And pretty much anytime we say goodbye to one another, if my husband has to leave and go on a trip, um, he howls. And it's kind of become this joke because Mm -hmm. people that he works with now know that that's what we do. And so if there happens to be somebody in the background when he's on the phone call, Mm -hmm. they hear us howling they will also jump in and howl along with us so my gosh yeah we um yeah so we're a pretty tight-knit family and yeah so that's us so fun yeah you guys sound like a blast uh (laughs) that's awesome so what does work look like for you well until four years ago I was actually a massage therapist Mm. and I worked three, four, five days a week when my kids were both really little. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of entered into the school age years. And so we decided to homeschool for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And I also have always loved to write. And I was trying to work three or four days outside of our home, homeschool my kids, and then fit writing into Mm -hmm. all of these crevices of my life, which there weren't very many with two little kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, so four years ago, I quit my day job to stay at home and do the full-time homeschool thing with my kids. And that's kind of when writing kind of not necessarily took off, but it just became more important to me. And I made a list of places that I wanted to write for, and I just went for it. And I had already been blogging for a couple of years at that point. And so nowadays, since my kids are a little bit older, work looks like full-time homeschool with my kids Mm -hmm. and then writing kind of in and around their schedules. My husband also works from home full-time. He owns his own business. And so we kind of trade off. So he'll get the mornings to sit in the office and work and I'll take the kids to the library and we'll do something. Mm -hmm. And then he gives me an afternoon here or an Mm -hmm. evening here. And so so great. Yeah. It's not a perfect balance, but, um, yeah, no, it's totally not. So that's so fun that you guys kind of are. It sounds like you're just kind of all around each other all the time, which has its own challenges, but (laughs) it's also like just kind of a unique experience and really, really special for your family to have that bond. Yeah. And last year, so my husband travels a lot with his company as well. And so last year he was gone for 180 days of the year. Wow. And so I was actually solo parenting a lot. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a miracle that I was able to write and get my book published during Mm -hmm. all of that crazy Mm -hmm. season. Um, But this year he scaled that way, way back. And that's kind of why he started his own company so that he could be home more and not gone for, you know, three to six weeks at a time. So I was, yeah. And that's funny. I was just talking with Lindsay about how you know, she wrote this book in her mornings and, Mm -hmm. um, with the preschool where her kids were at. And I'm talking about Lindsay falls for those of you listening who I just interviewed right before Melinda and, you know, just how we feel so limited in our capacity, but God is not limited by our limitation. And so it's just crazy how a mom with like, you know, maybe 15 hours a week, not even a (laughs) part-time schedule can write a book in a semester. You know, it's just, it's crazy. It doesn't really seem like it should be possible, but somehow when God has the work to do, he gets it done, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's amazing to me how some women like you are doing the full-time homeschool thing. I don't know that I'm cut out for that. Like it's not for everybody. I don't know. Yeah. I truly like, even when it comes to teaching my daughter how to read, like, and she's a little young, but she was showing a ton of interest in letters and words and just writing letters all together, jumbled, not really in words, but 
we were like, you know, she's showing, she knows the whole alphabet. She's showing a lot of interest. Like let's start doing these sight word books with her and see how that goes. And I did it like a couple of days in a row and it was so bad. Like I was so frustrated, so impatient. She was scared of now reading, you know, it was just like, okay, one, you know, I have my own sin issues. I have to deal with, with expectations or perfection or just being understanding and and learning and realizing that everybody learns differently than me. It's not, I'm how I teach her was not really getting across to her what she needed to understand. And so I was like, I can't do this. This is like seriously stressing me out, but I want her to learn and I want her to enjoy it. And so I was like, how about you take over Joey at bedtime? You guys do 30 minutes a day and let's see if that goes any better. And he like excelled with her, like she, or she excelled with him, I should say. And now that's just his thing. Like he does that with her every night at bedtime and it's kind of their thing. And, you know, I do other things with them or I like teaching them other things. It just was like that thing really threw me for a loop. And it was like, I just did not anticipate, like, I kind of thought because I was homeschooled, like I could be good at this, but I don't know that that's the case. I don't think that's how it works. So no, it's, it's definitely not for everybody. And when we started, I was super hesitant. I actually was homeschooled for about half a year myself. And it was such a disaster that I always said I would never do that with my kids. Mm-hmm. And my husband grew up making fun of homeschoolers. Yeah, I mean, totally. Even well, as an adult. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, you're kind of socially awkward. Yeah, you yeah. were probably homeschooled. Right. And so he was kind of dead set against it, but it was probably about a year of the Lord, like really introducing. It was like, I just couldn't get away from these homeschool mm-hmm. moms. And it, this idea just kept coming up and I'm like, okay, we'll try it for one year. Mm-hmm. Like she's going to kindergarten. How bad can I mess her up? Like she yeah. knows all of her kindergarten ABCs and all that stuff. Already. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's something that I've kind of just fallen in love with. And now I've got kids that are almost independent learners. So yeah, that's, that's fun. It just gives us a lot more time to do things that they're passionate about. And so right. they can spend tons of time on the subse- subjects or mm-hmm. the ideas that are of interest to them. And we can really dive in deep. And that that's kind of one of the beauties. And we really yeah. started to see that this year because we are, this is the end of our fourth year. So, right. Yeah. I do appreciate a lot what it did for me in terms of teaching me to become an independent learner and totally. And that university model school really prepared me for college, which is the whole point. It's, that's why they did it because it is a college preparatory Academy so that you're yeah. like, you're literally on the same block scheduling that you are in college, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. Like that's how classes work. And right. when you've been doing that for four to, you know, if you start even earlier, you could have been doing that for four to 12 years. College is a breeze. You're like, yeah, I know how to manage my time. I understand expectations. I'm not yeah. like, oh my gosh, I have all this free time. Like you get it. You you kind of know what to anticipate and, and how to just manage yourself. And it was that aspect of college, maybe the social part was harder for me, but, um, and I don't mean like social, socially challenged. I mean, getting involved in sinful things, <laughs> but as far as like academically, that was yeah. not a problem. So yeah. yeah, it was, it was great. And awesome. I totally appreciate like that your kids are going to be able to manage themselves. Like, that's great. I mean, I love it. Yeah. So let's talk about what your work looks like lately and and kind of what your writing has evolved into and what that's been lately. Yeah. So I started seriously writing my book about two years ago, right after we moved to where we're living right now. And it had started just like as a couple blog posts. And then I pitched some other publications like, Hey, what do you think about this idea? And they did fairly well. And a couple different friends just said, Hey, I think this is more than that. And so I sat down a couple years ago and really started cranking out some words. And then probably about three quarters of the way through like a finished manuscript, I, I hired an editor who helped me craft a book proposal. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I started trying to find an agent which in this world of platform being so important was a little challenging. I had several people who just told me, Hey, I love your voice and I love what you have to say, but 
I don't actually think that you have a big enough platform. And so you just need to try harder to mm-hmm. grow your following and then come back to me. Mm-hmm. And so then when I finally landed with um, my agent right now, who was like, that's not an, an issue for me. I think that you are strong enough. Your voice and your writing is strong enough and your message is amazing. That was like the words that I think every author wants to hear. And then three months later, he managed to find me a publisher who's super interested in the project. And so what my work looks like right now is marketing the book, which I hate that word. It Mm -hmm. feels so slimy, but there's also this really beautiful grace for the season that I'm in right now because that part of it is all done. Like we're, we're in the final read right now, the final edit before it goes to the printer. Mm -hmm. And I'm just working with a publicist on interviews and radio and publications that I'm writing for and devotionals that we're doing and all that kind of stuff. So it's totally different work. It's definitely pushing me out of my comfort zone a lot. And I'm grateful that the school season is pretty much wrapped up. And so I can kind of shift into longer work days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's fun and it's definitely exciting, but I'm much more comfortable sitting with a laptop and just mm-hmm. picking out words than I am sending emails to people and saying, Hey, would you help promote my work? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's, I think maybe unless you're a three on the Enneagram, that is fairly uncomfortable territory for most people. And I'm not that number. And so I'm having to just learn how to get out of my comfort zone, which is good. I am that number, but (laughs) I, but I still don't always love that because I don't want to be rejected, you know? And so like achievement is big, getting things done is big, but I like doing things that I can be certain will be successful. And really that's nothing. So (laughs) that's kind of a problem because then you're like, well, you know, I I can't guarantee anything. I can't guarantee any outcome, but that's not actually my job to do. That isn't what God asked me. Like just when he asked us to speak, just like when he asked us to speak, it's not because he wants us to change the heart of the individual listening or to share the gospel. It's not our job to convert them. It's just our job to speak. And so totally. he does the rest, but it's been, you know, a lot of, for me, like learning in my work, just that what is mine to do, you know, and, and what totally. is not mine to do because yeah, it, and that's a, that's a challenge. It's hard for me to separate. Yeah. And I think too, as a writer, um, and then especially somebody who's transitioning over to like actually write books or write for other publications, like you have to grow thick skin. And so I feel like I've been through that gamut in the last few years of hearing a nose from editors and nose from agents and people yeah. picking apart my work. And even the refining process of working with an editorial team with the publisher, and seeing all of their comments and realizing this is going to help me get better has been really helpful for this new season that I'm kind of walking through. Yeah. And, you know, the book title is Obedience Over Hustle. And so it's the, it's this continual reminder that like, I just need to do what God's called me to do. And, and he's going to take care of it. And he like, this is his thing. Like he asked me to write the words And it was always, okay, Lord, if you want this to end up in people's hands and on bookshelves one day, then you're going to need to do something because technically, like, I don't have a big platform and, you know, I'm not a pastor's wife or I don't have all these opportunities that an average author would have. And so walking through this part of it is really beautiful because it's literally just watching him open doors and create opportunities where I can't like, it is outside of my ability Mm -hmm. to do that. So I was just, that's funny because both the conversations I've had today are kind of on these, these themes. And I was just thinking this, I just had this random thought, but like, think about all of the people who wrote books before this age of digital connection, digital connectivity, social media, everybody having a network, everyone having a platform or the, even the opportunity to have a platform. Right. Just think back, you know, 200 years to the people who were writing books or even not even 200 years. What about a hundred years ago? And you've got like CS Lewis and J.R. Tolkien and, you know, or even further back, like Jonathan Edwards and Puritans and people that were 
literally authoring their works and their words and writing because they were inspired by God to do so. And somehow we are reading their books today, you know, like they didn't have a platform necessarily. I mean, some of them were preachers. Yes. Some of them had churches, but not everybody who we read today was necessarily like famous or, and they certainly didn't have Instagram and they certainly didn't have 10,000 followers on Instagram. So it's just funny. Like our perception of what it takes to be successful and to, to do what we think we need to do to be obedient to God is so different based on the culture we're living in. And it's so easy to think like, I I wouldn't probably be the one who should write this because I don't have the big platform or I'm not the pastor's wife at this really popular church. And I don't have all these people looking to me for my opinion. And I'm just over here kind of like, uh, who are you? (laughs) You know, but like, those are the people that often we see that God does call out and up because he's not in it he doesn't need it to be about us. He doesn't need, he doesn't want it to be about us. It's not ever about us. And so it's so much harder. I think sometimes for those people who are in those spots to keep it not about them because for the people following them, it is about them, you know? And so in another sense, we have a different challenge not to try and like puff ourselves up, but, but to keep our hearts focused on like, like we were saying, what is ours to do? And that's to obey God. Absolutely. So getting into that, how did you like, why this topic? Why obedience over hustle? Was it something that you saw in your own life or was it just more like looking at culture? Like what's your story there for why you wrote that? Well, I mean, without giving away the whole book. (laughs) Yes, of course. Don't give away the whole book. (laughs) Honestly, it all started with God, like asking me to lay down my day job. And there's like a really specific event that happened, which is in the book where I just felt like God was asking me to like surrender and to obey him. And specifically with my job, like I wanted to quit my job, um, even though it was something I really loved, but um, I wanted to supplement my income another way before I did that. And God straight up asked like, am I your provider or are you your provider, Melinda? And um, it was Uh, not the greatest financial move for our family because my income actually helped supplement a lot. We were living in Orange County at the time. It was super expensive to live down there. And yet we like the stories that have come out of that obedience is it's so beautiful. A couple months after I quit and was home full time, my husband's side business just kind of blew up Mm -hmm. and without any marketing, he didn't do any promoting, Mm -hmm. just random phone calls, random people who would say, Hey, I need you. Could you come into the city for a couple days and work on the project or could you come and work with our church for you know a week or an event and he started bringing in more than what I had ever made so lots of really beautiful testimonies out of that but that was a spark and from there it just felt like for a series of months everywhere I turned was just this frenzied conversation about having to do all the things mm-hmm. And having to be on social media and having to be the best mom and have my kids involved in all these activities and having to be at my church every time the door was opened. And um, it was like everywhere I turned, I just felt like God was whispering to me, like, is that what I've asked you to do? Mm. Like, will you just obey me and what I've asked you to do right now? Like with what's right in front of you. And I remember a friend signing up to go to this conference. And it was like one of those, you know, if you sign up now, you'll save all this money. And it was such a great opportunity. And they're going to have all these agents and editors there and all these amazing women speaking at this conference. And like, I remember sitting in my living room and, and looking like I was on my laptop, looking at the event, like checking out how much it would cost. And I knew like I, we couldn't afford to set for me to go. And I just felt like God was again whispering, like, it doesn't have to be this way. I haven't asked you to do this. Like you need to just surrender and stop Mm -hmm. hustling because I can do whatever I want with your life, Melinda. And you don't have to do the one, two, three, these three easy steps. And then you'll become like this super mega star author or Mm -hmm. social media guru or whatever. And so Out of there is when I just started writing like a couple blog posts about what does it look like to walk in obedience instead of 
striving and hustling. And, um, that was kind of like at this climax where it was girl boss and Mm -hmm. hustle, 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 and all these things. And I'm like, why am I championing this idea of just becoming a slave to my work? Yeah. Yeah. And so I just started writing, like, what would it actually look like to surrender my plans Mm -hmm. and my agenda and my timeline and just pick up whatever God's laying in front of me to do right now? Mm -hmm. So that's where it started. And it just kind of blossomed into something else. Now it's going to be a book. So exciting. Wow. That's so cool. That's really exciting. Yeah. I know you guys are enjoying this episode, so let me tell you about the sponsor who made it possible. The founder of Prep Dish, Allison, created it after a decade as a personal and gourmet chef at high-end spots because she knew there was a better, more efficient, and cost-effective way to put healthy and crowd-pleasing meals on the table. No more thinking, no more stress, no more mealtime guesswork. All you do is get a grocery list, decide what day will be your prep day, and they provide step-by-step instructions for prepping your meals. So one day in the week, you spend two to three hours of time chopping, marinating, mixing sauces, etc., and then you have dish day, which is the day you actually eat the meals that you've cooked. You can go into the week feeling accomplished and looking forward to mealtime. Each daily prep time per meal is a quick and easy 20 to 30 minutes. This month, I'm trying out some of their new recipes, Cajun turkey burgers with sweet potato fries, summer pasta, and arugula, watermelon, mint, feta, and pistachio salad. That honestly sounds amazing. If you want to check out Prep Dish, they're offering Kindled listeners a two-week free trial at prepdish.com slash kindled. So I'm really familiar, as I'm sure a lot of listeners are, with what you're talking about and the promotion of hustle. And Mm -hmm. I I, I think it has died down a little bit because there came, you know, it kind of had like the bubble burst and then people who were influencers started speaking out against it because then that was the new thing. The new thing was to say, oh, busy is not a badge of honor, blah, blah, blah. And now all of a sudden it's, it's not cool to be busy. Whereas before it was really cool to be hustling. And now it's like, oh no, it's cool not to be doing that. Which just goes to tell us, okay, let's stop looking to social media to tell us what to believe and how to feel because that's not going to be a sound source of information for us. And it's so fluid and it's changing every day. And it's just, it's silly. It's totally crazy. But but those ideas are still, even though they're out there, they're still inside of us. And especially as moms, like we have that... I have at least this draw and this pull towards productivity and hustle and like working hard and moving quickly and doing things as fast as I can, because there's a lot to do. And it's like, some of that is just reality. Like, do I want to leisurely change the laundry over? No, I'm going to do it as quickly as I can. Cause I want to get on to the next thing, but right. it is, it is hard to like, I guess, stop that mentality from, kind of bleeding into every area of life and, and especially into our spiritual, you know, into our relationship with God, like that, that, that is a hustle like that. Well, I got to get into my quiet time to have my time so that I can check that off my list and be a good Christian today. You know, so I can post about it on Instagram for the whole world oh. to know that I had time with the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real. It's, it's a little, it's a little sickening, but <laughs> um, but it's, but it's real. And it, it is a real problem that a lot of people it's, it's a reality of, for a lot of women that they're, you know, making those decisions and struggling with those temptations to do that. How have you seen God shift your understanding of hustle? Because I mean, you're still working hard, right? So it's not like you don't work hard. Yeah. Is that like, how has that shifted for you? Yeah. And I just want to take a second and like all your listeners know that I'm not against like working hard. Right. Right. Because obviously I just wrote a book and I homeschool my kids full time. And yeah, my you're working really hard <laughs> most of the year last year. So yeah. I'm all about working hard. And actually part of the research for the book was really kind of understanding the difference between working hard and having a good work ethic mm. versus workaholism, which yeah. is I think more what hustle tends to mean for most of us. And Mm -hmm. then breaking down what hustle used to mean for like our grandparents, people who lived through the great depression. And then even earlier than that, like with the origins of the word Mm -hmm. and then breaking down obedience and what that looks like. And then taking those ideas back to scripture and looking Mm -hmm. at it through the lens of scripture. And because God absolutely wants us to have a good work ethic, like starting in Genesis in the garden of Eden with Adam, like God lays out 
Adam, this is your work. Mm -hmm. This is what I want you to do. But when we look at previous to the fall, Adam's work was never a striving type of work. And so I'm not anti, you know, moms having side businesses or full-time working moms like heroes to be able to do that and juggle home life. I am very much a proponent of, is that what God's called you to right now? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the question that I keep coming back to and asking people over and over and over. Um, I was doing this coaching call with someone a couple of weeks ago, another writer friend, and you know, she's got all these goals and she's also got a one-year-old at home and her husband travels a lot. He's in the same type of industry that my husband is in. And I just remember asking her like, is what of all of these things, because they are all great, like yeah. you know, getting your work out there and having a pod, you know, podcast and mm-hmm. wanting to do all these interviews with people and writing a book and having her side business aside from all of that. Yeah. And I just said, what is the most important thing? Like, what is it that God is asking you to do right now? Because he's not asking you to do all of that right now. Yeah. And I think we tend to look at what other people are doing and compare, oh, if she's doing that, then that means I can do it mm-hmm. and I can do it all. And I think if I could, you know, just burst the bubble, like nobody is doing it all and doing it all well. Yeah. If you are building like a super successful business or ministry or whatever, chances are there are things in your home life that you, that are not getting as much attention. And yeah. not that that's a bad thing. You know, I it can be, but yeah, it can be. Yeah. But you know, if you are spending 40 hours outside of your home, then chances are you're getting help with your kids from somebody else inside your home. And that's totally fine if that is what God has called you to right now. Yeah. And I think we just get really caught up in like the the big dream. Like this is a dream that God gave me. Yes. And not that I'm against that at all either. I, I'm a huge proponent of dream big dreams. Mm-hmm. But just because he's given it to you doesn't mean that it's for today exactly. or for tomorrow. Exactly. And we can look at scripture and, you know, dissect scripture from Genesis all the way through the New Testament of people who God gave a dream to, mm-hmm. or they had a dream. Maybe it wasn't even from God. And what happens, the mess that happens when we try to create the dream in our time and in our yeah. way Mm-hmm. instead of opening our hands and letting God do it the way God wants to do it. Yeah. So that's where I see the hustle, like the hard work transitions from being something that is like God pleasing. And it's like our character coming out because we're, we're good workers to something that more resembles workaholism. Mm-hmm. And it tends to mean that we're sacrificing things that God never meant for us to sacrifice. Yeah. And to pursue the dream because he's not going to give you conflicting directions he's not going to ever tell you to do something that means that you have to lay aside something he's already said in his word you should be doing like absolutely being in community with other believers like going to a church because you need a body you need the body of, of the church there's a lot of people doing that. There's a lot of people well I don't think I really need that or this is my church today like sitting at my lake house no, it isn't. I mean, and it, I'm not saying it's okay. It's not okay to miss church because you're on a vacation or because right. you have a project. Like that's fine. There's grace for that. It's not a legalistic, a salvation thing, but it's a heart posture thing. Like, are you doing totally. that because you need, you need that time to do the thing that God has called you to do. And now you're sacrificing on a regular basis, service or community or true friendships or or pouring or relationships with, yeah, relationships. I think yeah. that's a big one. I think that there's a lot of people who are, have become wildly successful who then, you know, 20, 30 years later end up saying, but I wish I'd spent more time with my family. Yeah. And, All the time we hear that. Yeah. yeah. And their kids say the same thing. Oh yeah. My mom or my dad was like this huge megastar of, in whatever way, yeah. but 
they missed every one of my little league games or, you know, they were never home on the weekends. And if that's what God's called you to, then there's obviously a grace for it. But I think there's a lot of people that are sacrificing their family on the altar of their ministry or their business. Mm. And I think that's just a really like risky, dangerous place to be. And I think it's fair to say God will never ask you to do that. Like, no, not, he's and, and never no. going to ask you to, to, to sacrifice your relationships in right. order to do something great for him. Yeah. Ever. Now, like my only, I like playing devil's advocate with myself. I just thought of like Jim Elliott, who was called into, mm-hmm. you know, the mission field and he was virtually basically called to die and his, yeah. and he, and he did die and he was killed at the hands of the people that they were there to serve. Yeah. And so like someone could challenge and be like, well, you know, that happened. So then what, like, what do you say to that? Like, do you, what would be your response to that? I think that's a fairly extreme case and it's not necessarily. (laughs) It is is extreme. (laughs) He was Um, also a missionary in like, I don't even know, like South America or where was Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Central America. Central America. I, I don't (laughs) think that that's like great comparison to what we see in today's modern (laughs) culture. We don't see the people who are actually claiming like, oh, you know, this is what God has asked me to do, you know, going into Central America and living amongst indigenous peoples to spread the gospel. We see them working late hours at the laptop and ignoring their families or yeah, whatever that looks like. And I think too, my response to that specific question would be like, what is it that it's producing in your life? Mm -hmm. What is it that is forming? What is the fruit? So out of Jim Elliott's death, that whole tribe, and I believe it was Panama ended up coming to know the Lord. Yeah. And his wife, you know, the missionary there. yeah, Right. And so there was tremendous fruit that came out of that. I don't necessarily think that there's tremendous fruit that comes out of our life when we are missing our time with the Lord, missing out on time with our family in order to build a personal empire, which is kind of what the hustle movement looks like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great way that answers your question. It does. (laughs) Well, I just was thinking about it and I was like, wait, would someone, you know, could somebody use that? But no, I, I think that's true. Yeah. Looking at the fruit and really, I mean, I think we've all like, well, I don't know. I have ventured into territory of building the personal empire before I've ventured into that place of, you know, maybe like stepped over the line of what it would look like for me to rightly manage and rightly like steward the gift and the opportunity that God is giving me right now. Right. Right. Really easy to do. It's totally Totally. easy to do. And so if you stay there too long, you cannot deny that there is no fruit in that. There is actually not sustenance there. It is not sustainable. You are not being filled up. You are not being, you are not able to pour out. Even you actually feel emptied. And so, you know, I don't believe that, I don't believe the saying that you can't pour from an empty cup because actually I I don't believe that we should ever be empty. Like if we are like, if we are in communion with Christ, like there's no excuse for us to ever be empty. You know what I mean? Like we should be constantly full. Now I understand like the sentiment, like there are times where I would rather not do something and I still have to, cause I'm a mom, <laughs> you know, my kids right. don't care that I'm having morning sickness. They're, they don't care. They're, they still want their breakfast hot and ready. But in the sense that, um, you are being emptied, like you are emptying yourself on the altar. You are emptying, emptying your family and you're laying it down and you're saying like, I'm willing to sacrifice this. And that is not a filling or a sustaining place to be. And for anyone that's been there, like, I know that you, you know that you can't deny that. Right. And it's just not how we were created to operate. So, you know, when you see women in that spot, what is your prescription, I guess. And and I know it's not you, it's really the word of God and the truth, but like, what, what do you feel that people are missing there and what do they need to hear when they're in that spot? It's the question that I asked earlier, like, is this what God's called you to right now? Mm -hmm. And I have several like in real life friends who hold me accountable to that too, because it's so easy to just slip right in. Like, why are you doing this? Like, are you doing for your own personal promotion or are you doing this because you know other people are watching you or are you doing this because the Lord's actually asked you to do it? And I think like a big portion of scripture that I obviously spent a lot of time in over the last few years is the the story of Martha and Mary in Luke 10. Mm -hmm. 
um, in verse 42, where Jesus is talking to Martha and he's just saying, Hey, Martha, like you're doing many things. And what I love about Jesus response right there is that he doesn't shame her for doing all of the things. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't like guilt her for doing things that are probably in her gifting and what she's passionate about doing. But then he just goes on to say, but Mary's chosen what's better. So I think that is the question for any mom who's juggling or any woman, really any person who's juggling multiple things, like you're doing many things. They may all be the best things ever. Some of them may be your God-given gift, the thing that he's created you to do, the thing that you're super passionate about. There may even be really great fruit in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But just because you're doing it right now, like one one of the chapters in my book, it just talks about how the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. And so... Like uh, for as a scriptural example, like Joseph in Genesis, where he is 17 years old and he has this dream, like God had to take him through several decades of character refinement because at 17, he wasn't capable of being second in, in command in the nation of Egypt. You know, he had to get to his 30s before he'd actually learned anything and maybe a little humility along the way. But the, that dream turned into something so much bigger and grander than Joseph's little dream about like a bunch of sheaves of meat, like mm-hmm. bowing down to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we open our hands and just say, okay, Lord, like here are all the things that I'm doing. What is it that you want me to actually do when we lay everything else out? that's when we see the, the greater fruit. It's like, it's the, the analogy of being pruned, right? Like the vine has to be pruned back in order to produce much fruit is how John says it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, when we know what our yeses are, it's really easy or easier to say no to everything else. And so like when I quit my job, like I knew that I wasn't supposed to be pursuing another job. I was supposed to be at home and like the Lord gave me like my kids at homeschooling, mm-hmm. sharpening myself as a writer. And so I was like spending time honing my craft. And then the third one was just like getting into community. And so we got to know our neighbors really, really well and opened our home to our neighbors. And then I started mentoring a bunch of college students and like, mm-hmm diving into those relationships and in real life stuff instead of seeking to have about this community online. So, yeah, yeah, that's really, that's really good. Work on you. You are the one who's going to make your dreams materialize into something yeah. versus like walking with God. Often I think things get lost in translation when we dream with God. We might hear somebody say, like, give us a word of encouragement or something like, you're going to be a teacher and you're going to, you know, um, be super influential and be able to speak to all these people. And what that translates into our mind is I have to get through college and do really well and go to teacher's college. And then I'm going to like teach at a university or whatever, like ABC, this is what it's going to look like. And so that's the trajectory that we're on. Meanwhile, God's teaching plan for your life might be online teaching or might be teaching your children in your home or might not materialize until you're, you know, well into your retirement years when you actually have a wealth of wisdom to bestow Mm -hmm. on the younger generation. And so I think dreaming is huge. My husband and I are always like, okay, so what's next? Like, what is the next thing? But it's always held super loosely because we know that God's plan is not all, it's never the way I would write it out. And we always joke, my husband and I always joke, like God tends to live in a different time zone than I do because I want everything right now. And he's like, yeah, if I give it to you right now, you'd probably squander it. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to take you through a period of time and trials and testing and character refinement. So when I actually give you this thing that you can steward it really, really well. Yeah. So hopefully that answers your question. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And I, yeah, I think it's just, we can't know someone's motives. We can't know the heart. Um, and and yeah. so the important thing is that we are 
I guess, standing before him honest about our dreams, like totally and how we are holding them, like you said, loosely and with the knowledge that he might redirect you and you're, you might've misinterpreted like what you thought he was telling you, or like you said, maybe that maybe it wasn't right now, maybe it's later. And, you know, I just, even last night kind of shared on Instagram with my, my followers that I, have started writing a book and it's been something I have been kind of writing. Well, yeah, it feels, it feels like, okay, I'm stepping out here and saying this, but I'm not saying that I know when it's going to be done. I'm not saying that, you know, that's the hesitation I have with like, I want to share because it's really part of my life and it is where a lot of like my growth is happening and where my heart is at and what I am wanting to talk about and wanting to, you know, share with others. And so it's just a natural outflowing of that. Like, if I were to keep that under wraps, I would feel like I was almost being like double, like double-minded in a sense, or like, um, dishonest almost, because that's not like, that is kind of where my, my heart is at is with this, like the, the things that I'm writing about. And anyways, but, but yeah, when, when I step out there and say that making sure that I am not going, okay, well now clock's ticking. Now everybody needs me to do that by a certain time or putting right. those types of expectations on that thing, instead of saying, I know this is a message that God is, is working in me. I know it is work that he is doing on my heart and he's going to continue to do it. And I trust that he's going to bring about that outcome in the right timing and in the right way that he wants it to. And I'm just totally. going to kind of be along for the ride at this point. And, and that may change. Like when I get more clarity, like that may change. And it's like, okay, we're doing this or, okay, I'm going to get a publisher or, okay, I'm going to self-publish or whatever that is, you know, but holding it loose enough that you can change, you can change yeah. your mind, you know, and be flexible. Yeah. Because our life, you know, our life situation, circumstances might change as well. And so yeah. just because we are pursuing one thing doesn't necessarily mean that it's failure if we take a step back and recalibrate. I think there's a lot of honor in doing that and like being very constantly expectant to hear God's voice and always asking him like, okay, is this still what you want me to do? Or is there something else that, you know, that I need to take a break from what I'm working on to, to do this instead? Yeah. It's the heart motive, right? Right. It's, uh, it's choosing to be yielded to him and his yeah. ways and his timing and whatever you want, Lord. Right. How have you in your own life and work, since this is something that you have, you know, actually dealt with, even as you're writing a book and <laughs> thinking about launching it and all of that, how do you pursue excellence, work hard, but not with a desperation to like make something of yourself? It's a really easy thing to transition into. Yeah. I think it's having people in your life who will call you on it when you're doing it. Mm. And I'm really blessed to have a couple people, really good, close girlfriends who do that. Mm -hmm. They're like, why are you letting yourself spiral into like this frenzy? Why do you, why are you so concerned about this? So I think community is a word that gets tossed around so much, but I think it's more than community. I think it's having like accountability with friends who are going to, you know, hold up the mirror and say, this is what you look like right now. Is this, is this does not what I know you're going after. So you need to stop and change course. That's good. And then how do you, what would your encouragement kind of be for those women that are in like the startup phase of something on the side, maybe they're stay at home mom and they are trying to start a business on Etsy or they're a full-time working mom. And they're like, I have this idea and this dream of something that I'm trying to pursue in the margins of my life. Like what would be some encouragement for them to kind of keep their heart in the right place? I think if it, if you're starting to lose your peace in what you're doing, then you need to make an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's always, you know, if you're married, checking in with your husband, like making sure that, the side business that you told yourself you were going to start, okay, I'm going to sell oils or whatever, mm-hmm. like whether it's an MLM thing or yeah. it's an Etsy business or a creative business. Hey, I'm going to do photography on the side, like making sure that your spouse is on board and you guys are both in agreement and you both have peace. And then if it's causing a disruption to your family, to your social life, to your financial life, to your spiritual life. Mm -hmm. If those things are feeling off balance, because it might just be because you're taking on too much. 
um, you're hustling a little too hard. And so I think it's just constantly having people that are going to check in with you and say, Hey, these, these goals that you have are great, but in order to achieve those, you're going to have to sacrifice something else. And is that what, is this really what you're willing to sacrifice? Yeah. Yeah. And having an honest conversation with yourself, which sometimes is just the hardest thing to do to to actually like take an inventory of your life right now and go, Oh, I don't have a problem with social media, except that I literally cannot go to the bathroom and not share with everybody what I'm doing. (laughs) It's, it's that thing. It's being choosing to be that honest. Um, at our church on Sunday, the pastor who's speaking was talking to the younger generation in the room and just saying, Hey, social media is great, but uh, we don't need to know everything that you're doing. And if you're going to take a social media fast, just take it like telling everybody that you're going to take social media fast. Right. That like negates what you're doing. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, choosing to be honest with what's Mm -hmm. going on in your heart. And I know for me, if I'm not sleeping well, usually it's because there's something else happening like Mm -hmm. inside my heart, inside my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I need to make a physical, I need to kind of recalibrate physically in my day to day inside my home, inside my heart. And that's when I sleep better. So, yeah, it's all such good, good advice and good wisdom. I'm excited to see this book. So when is it launched again? It's available for pre-order right now, actually on Amazon or Burns and Noble or whatever. Target even. So crazy. What? Yes. So fun. Um, But it comes out September 1st. Okay. This is everybody's kind of gearing up to go back to school is when. Yeah. That's great. Oh, that's good timing too. Cause that's when we're all going to be like, okay, we get, now we're back in the hustle mode. Right. 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 Yeah. I'm so excited for you. That's, that's really, really cool. Congratulations. Thank you. And where can people connect with you online? melindafuller.com is where my blog lands and all the information and links for the book is mm-hmm. there. I do like a weekly newsletter that's mm-hmm. maybe a page long and just includes stuff that's encouraged me or inspired me or challenged me throughout the week. And then I'm on social media, Melinda Fuller with a dot in between my first and last name. Okay, perfect. Thank yeah. you, Melinda. I really appreciate you sharing. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it's been, so been really great. Okay. Well, people will find you online and pre-order your book. And is there any other way for them to kind of engage? Like, are you doing like launch team stuff, stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Launch team will be um, in the later part of the summer. And so we're kind of finalizing the details of what that's going to look like, but so yeah, you just can, follow you. They'll, they'll learn more. Yeah, absolutely. We're constantly kind of pushing out information mm-hmm. for anybody who wants to sign up and get involved in cool that'll all come out uh, via email list. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melinda. Thank you. It's been a blast. Next week, I'm chatting with Whitney Caps, who you're all going to love if you don't already love her. Her book, Sick of Me, is all about calling us beyond trendy transparency and into something better, true transformation. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. There's a new trend and it's seeping deep into Christian subculture. And it's one that is this kind of fake facade of transparency and vulnerability. Instead of being filtered or super spiritual, we're told to be real and honest. And rightly so, we should be getting real with each other about our junk. But do we just stop there? Should we gather to commiserate about our current version of me? Or is community about something more than just feeling understood by one another in our hard places? Does God have actual change in store for us beyond brokenness? That's what I chat with Whitney about, and the episode is fire, if I do say so myself. So be sure and come back next Monday. Have a great week, guys.